determine if ally was a title that you were going to add to your bio or if it was going to be a way of life. You walk in allyship. You are acting as an ally. Welcome to Beyond Allyship, a podcast that helps humans shift their understanding of what it means to be an effective ally and show up in allyship for marginalized communities. Let's get it popping. Hello and welcome back to the Beyond Allyship Podcast. I am your host, Dr. J-Pop. I'm so excited to be here with you so I can bring you this dope human that I've known for a very long time, actually. I won't count the years because that might y'all might know my age then, right? Um, but I just want to welcome... Ayanna Davison, certified nurse midwife, also known as the Vagina Chronicles on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi. <laughs> Everybody, you're going to just kind of get a glimpse into the conversations that we have all the time. I think I met Ayanna my sophomore year in college somewhere around there and we did things alongside each other like classes and choir Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. we ended up in the same place after graduation at Loma Linda (laughs) University and let me tell you how we clung together like yes (laughs) somebody I know a familiar face (laughs) but I am incredibly proud of this woman and the path that she has taken. And I know because I know every step of that part of the journey. I actually want you to share with everyone your journey to midwifery because it was it wasn't like you just picked it. Right. No, no, it wasn't. (laughs) I think when you I mean, I guess here's like part of origin stories. Right. So um, when we met, we were you know, matriculating through undergrad. <laughs> I do remember you sitting in the front row of biology. Every every time we had class, Jennifer walking down to the front row of this little amphitheater on the left-hand side. I was in the right in the middle, t- kind of towards the back. Um, anyways, and then got plenty of stories. Okay, let me reel it in. Anyways, so <laughs> I guess other people that I sat in the front <laughs> because I every had, class though <laughs> I I knew that I would not pay attention if I sat mm-hmm. in any other seat that's the mm-hmm. only reason that's the only reason. yes yes girl I, anyways at at the time I, I was pre-med I was biology major that was my plan to become a physician um always was thinking about how I could serve people just you know kind of um, help them along their journey. And my my plan essentially was either to become a pediatrician or an OBGYN, and it really evolved into the OBGYN piece. And so I was like headed on that track. And a little family history, I come from a line of like nurses, educators, um, cousins are nurses. <laughs> it's just like all over the family. And I never once thought like, let me go be a nurse. Like never, it wasn't a thought in my mind. Hmm. Um, I had nothing, I had nothing against the profession. I just didn't, I thought I want to be a doctor because in my mind it, it, 
translated to different things. Mm. So fast forward, applied to medical school. And when we reconnected at Loma Linda, I was doing a post-baccalaureate program Mm -hmm. um, in biomedical sciences. It's kind of like a transition program to like your, your first year of medical school. And I was sitting in class one day thinking to myself, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want to be doing. Mm. No disrespect. I just, like, I I think I wanted to see the evolution of someone healing or going through whatever process they were in. And not that you can't see that as a physician, but to understand what it means when you're a nurse, when all that's going on, or someone who was, like, there day in and day out. You see, you have this patient every single day or whatever. Um, It's just, it's it's different. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, um, at the end of the program, I was like, well, what I'm going to do, because... (laughs) This clearly ain't it. And I'm searching. I'm literally in the dorm room searching through careers. Like, what am I? What? I was looking at physical therapy. Girl, that was not for me either. (laughs) I support you. It was not for me. Um, I was looking at physical therapy. I was, like, looking at physician's assistant. How do I still make the impact and still help people the way that I feel called to help? And nursing literally hit me like a ton of bricks. I tell everybody I have that, like, you know, that um, that moment in the movies or the TV where, like, the lights shine down <laughs> and you hear the, exactly, the, the chorus, the choir. It was like that. And the, the room, to me, lit up, like, when, when I, you know, when I got to that. So we, we found the connections. I stayed at Loma Linda um, and also discovered middle three in that process. And mm. I was like, well, I can still do what I was thinking that like what better way to help people than to be with them at like one of their most pivotal times mm. of life when we would watch birth in like sex ed or wherever I was like this is so cool like she had a human coming out of her <laughs> you know where other people had that face they were like yeah like I would rather not <laughs> and grossed out when I was just like oh my gosh a baby is here a person is born but anyways um <laughs> so that's that's really like kind of where that blossomed. And like once I knew in nursing school, like I probably walked in knowing that I wanted to go midwifery route. Mm. But once I knew in, in in nursing school, that's what I wanted to do. It was just like, that's the path I'm taking. And then, of course, in discovering I wanted to be a midwife and going through school and everything, too, I let my grandmother know who was the nurse. <laughs> I let her know um, that I wanted to be a midwife. She's very excited for me. But it wasn't until her passing that I found out she also was a certified nurse midwife, which was like a trippy Mm. journey. Like, it's not even like you're a lay midwife in the island of Antigua. You are a certified nurse midwife. And that's like the same steps that I'm taking. So um, it's pretty powerful, powerful to me. So you ended up back on the family path. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, isn't that interesting how that can happen? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's in the blood. I mean, for the first two weeks of my life, my grandmother came to visit, took care of me, bathed me, everything. And my mom is always like, I wonder what she said to you, what she spoke over Mm -hmm. you, like in those moments. And so... I'm, I'm pretty sure my grandma had something to do with all she of this. She sure did. <laughs> she was just in the back smiling like, don't worry, let her do what she does. It's going to come. It is. So, I mean, I think yeah. this lends to the perfect question. Mm-hmm. What is a midwife? Mm-hmm. And what role do midwives play in reproductive health? Ooh, I love how you worded that, actually. <laughs> <You know. laughs> 
So a midwife is a healthcare provider. Like, let's start there. So midwives, we provide care for low-risk individuals and kind of co-manage some high-risk conditions with, like, physicians. But we see people for a myriad of things. I think people, you know, their minds go to someone birthing in a field or at home, (laughs) which we can do. (laughs) We can do and we will do, but... Um, really our scope is, um, reproductive health, like, like that. And that's a broad sense of the word. So from people when they first get their periods, which we call menarche to menopause. So I have people who come in who are bleeding with, um, concerns for, um, STDs. We assess, we, you know, work, we, um, get specimens and we treat. Um, folks come in for family planning. You don't want a baby. What are my options? We go over over all. And same also, I'm pregnant and I do not want this child. Mm. We also offer abortion care as well. Um, We we also take people through miscarriage. And, you know, when that happens unexpectedly, we we can um, care for them in that realm as well. Um, And then you have pregnancy, prenatal care, Birth, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's my lane. Postpartum. Um, and like I said, menopause and, and you know, different treatments. So it's it's a broad sc- spectrum of things that we do. And, and I hope people know that. <laughs> yeah. So simply because I haven't been through this process, mm-hmm. let's say I go to it. Do I have to request a midwife or mm-hmm. are, do they already work with some? Can I bring mm-hmm. in my own that I know? Like, how does that usually yeah. work? Yeah. So it's dicey nationally, like mm-hmm. any hit or miss. So I live in the state of California. We have a large hospital organization that employs a, a really high amount of midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on your state legislation and the type of midwife you are. So certified nurse midwives, meaning we have a uh, nursing background, mm-hmm. we are um, allowed to practice in the hospital. Um, certified professional midwives, they do not have a nursing background, but they go through extensive training um, under the apprenticeship of another professional midwife. They do not, in most states, practice in the hospital. And then you have um, CMs or certified midwives who do have a science background, not nursing, um, and in some states can practice in the hospital. Okay. And then um, the ultimate as I call it, my, my favorite, the root of it all is like a true sense of calling. Like, you know, the elders have appointed you as midwife mm-hmm. and you now follow your grandmother or auntie or someone in, in the community. Um, I'm getting chills talking about it <laughs> um, because they really are called to it. So they may not have the formal training, but they have the hands on the, the see it, the experience, which is part of our history. Yes. So, mm-hmm, that- mm-hmm. That cultural lineage, mm-hmm. which, I mean, your, your segues are just amazing. <laughs> From what I have read, midwifery has been around for a very, 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 very yes. long time. Absolutely. How far back do we see midwives in history? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're believing the Bible to be um, <laughs> a, a historical book with a reliable source, mm-hmm. uh, we do see midwives as far back as in the Bible. So we've been around, and it, we, we're known one of the longest um, professions in history, like, you know, oh, wow. because people have been having babies yeah. for time, <laughs> for, right. for a long time. So, I mean, that was a general question, of course, but to get more specific, mm-hmm. what role <laughs> has midwifery played in 
the American healthcare system mm-hmm. and in history. So um, the role of, um, and I guess more specifically, the Black midwife. There we go. In America, we span back to when we were brought here, um, mm-hmm. and this is not, and you know, now we need somebody to, to to deliver babies or care for people. This is something that we brought along with us. Like okay. midwives are coming from the continent of Africa, from wherever they were taken from, and so midwives traveling to different communities and taking care of their own people, and also taking care of the people who enslaved them. Mm. Um, And so not only were they taken for experimentation, but we also had to serve our communities because what white doctors coming to, Mm. you know, to see about a black enslaved person or a black community, or even if they agreed to the ruralness of it all Mm -hmm. from traveling from one county to another might take days. And in that time, either a baby or a mom could die or a baby could just be born because they don't wait on anybody. <laughs> so it's the midwives who keep their communities going. And we're not just talking, you know, birth and postpartum and pregnancy and labor. We're we're talking about, you know, I cut myself on something and I need healing. So what herbs are in that bag? It's 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 extensive. It really is. It really is. I read something interesting. Um, there's a book called Stolen Childhood. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of details from the continent of Africa mm-hmm. to America mm-hmm. and the cultural practices that were lost, mm-hmm. um, the ones that we had to keep. Like yeah. yeah. But there was it was interesting to hear that those who enslaved weren't always able to make the connection between the work that was required of them mm. and the loss of children in the womb. In terms of diet, in terms of work, in terms of what was required of them. They there wasn't always an easy link for them to say, hmm. When they're doing this much work in the hot sun, <laughs> oh. we tend to have more miscarriages yeah. or mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. who are below birth weight. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, it, it's interesting. And I always wondered from the perspective of a midwife who came mm-hmm. from the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. what changes did they see? And, you know, how did they cope with that? Like you, mm-hmm. you knew what it was like to birth a healthy child in a mm-hmm. healthy community, in a village right. surrounded by the people who loved and cared for right. to this, like that, that had to have been traumatic in a whole different sense. So there's a lot to be said for birth at that time as well, because mm. we're at a time where our expectations around birth are that people are going to survive and have mm. their babies. And, you know, that's not for everybody. Not everybody has that truth. But at that time, birth was right. a lot more fragile at that time. Because, you know, we're talking about lifespans of like age 30 or 40. But people are bringing their lineage, their mm. culture, these herbs, these remedies. And some of them, you know, some of it is this juju, right? Where... You know, even after like a baby is born, things that people will do, um, and it's not necessarily a medical procedure or, you know, use of herbs to alleviate something. It's ritual Mm -hmm. um, because our medicinal work is combined with um, spirituality, you know, so so we see kind of the use of both and, you know, 
white doctors come in and telling black midwives that what they're doing is wrong around the you know 1920s 1930s but also not having an understanding of what they were doing and why mm. they were doing it it's like they take it for granted and just assuming that because they're doing something it's causing harm yeah. when reality again the fr- fragility of birth at that time was what it was and you have a lot of white physicians playing experimentation performing procedures without anesthesia on enslaved people without their consent mm-hmm. you know how how we've lent to the modern modernization of medicine is kind of it's just a bittersweet experience because mm-hmm. it's it's us we don't get the recognition for it yeah um and then our people were they died from this, you yeah. know, or or were severely impacted by it. So someone else later on could benefit. Um, yeah, a lot of it's very twisted. I had a conversation with someone where they were saying, they said something about catching up uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what we believe in Western medicine mm-hmm. from the scientific standpoint. And mm-hmm. I always laugh because in a lot of the stuff that I've had to read historically, mm-hmm. healers were in temples, Healers mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. connected to spirituality, which is connected yes. to intuition, which is right. connected to being connected to who you are and what yeah. you, you know, listening to yourself and being able to connect with others. Right. And so you said 1920s mm-hmm. was yep. when science came in and said, hey, midwifery isn't what. So can you talk about that shift a little bit? Sure. And not just what it was from the healthcare standpoint, but how it impacted us racially as well. So, you know, as we see medicine kind of taking off and physicians being like the leader in types of provider or starting to make that lead in hospitals, you know, it's like this is the place where you got to have your baby or this is where you go to get care, like the hospital system and money involved. Right. Because that's where that's where it is. Like that's that's what the root of it is. In the 1920s, we see the Shepherd Towner Act where we see this huge division in midwifery. And basically, the medical board is saying, you are killing your the babies. You are not sterile. What you're doing isn't sanitary. And then the rules are being made for us. So you mm. must have a bag, and this is how it should look. And if you don't have your bag in order, then you don't get your license renewed. So you see people who cannot afford a good bag, or they're having to make these bags, you know, in different things out of newspaper. And the wear and tear of it all happens. And like folks are just, they're just trying to do their best with what they have. You're right. not giving them money to to support this. Right. Um, and let, let's say this too, not every midwife who practiced as such wanted to be in that role. There are a lot of people appointed and like, you know, a midwife would say, I see it in you. Like I see the midwife in you come mm. apprentice with me or you you need to be doing this. And some of them were like, no, for a long time before they end up doing the work. Right. You know, because there's Sounds so much like responsibility. You. Oh. <laughs> You didn't have to call me out like that. Just, I did because we got to keep it real. <laughs> I just, I just didn't know which, which path. And yeah, there might have been a little opposition. There might have been, 
but we're seeing we're seeing this um, takeover, these strict rules from white physicians who really didn't take the time to understand, like the same medicines you all are making in a pharmacy. We are utilizing the 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 root. The, medicine comes from something. It mm. comes from something. The same plants we are using, and we have this historical knowledge of the roots of the plants and why why they work for us. And you're just here making up new stuff. It's really not new. You're 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 modifying something. And and Jennifer, I'll say this too. I believe there can be like a a, a coming together of the ancient historical ways and modern medicine. There Absolutely. can be this melding together. Um, but ego has to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Capitalism, all these things have to come out come out of it in order for it to like really blossom for us. Mm-hmm. You know. I think that some of the the grand or some you will hear the term granny, but the appropriate term is grand midwives. I believe that they understood that too. Mm-hmm. They understood I have to work with what I have, um, but also they understand that medicine is evolving. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I also like to talk about too, and just look so people have an understanding is like you know because of enslavement and because of this fear within us to not be beat, not be taken away from our family, not get in, let's call it, worse trouble. Uh, Black folks, they shuck and jive or put on a show, you know, and do the thing that the white person is doing so that they don't fall privy to like a worse state, right? Mm -hmm. And so we begin to put our trust in doctors. So, So much to the point where even people who would have been delivered by or um, had a midwife attend their care are now seeking the care of a hospital system and believing everything a physician says because Mm -hmm. they're the higher authority. Forsaking ourselves, our internal source, as Mm -hmm. like you kind of referred to before, knowing who we are, forsaking ourselves for someone else to tell us about our own selves. Does does this sound familiar to anybody listening, right? Because um, we often give up that that privilege, that expertise to our providers. Like, and I I, I do it myself too. Like it's survival mode. It's survival. Literally. So sometimes I'll I'll go into the office and I'm listening to what the provider has to say. But at the end of the day, you are the expert at your body. You live within yourself. So who am I to tell you that like, no, that's not true. Now I'm here to offer guidance for, for what you, what you're going through. But like we, we've had forsaken our own body knowledge for the um, kind of like, yeah, assimilation and kind of saviorship of ourselves mm. so that we wouldn't fall into a worse condition. You see this in how we dressed, you know, how we dressed, how we cleaned ourselves. Like, you know, even even to this day, you'll have like grandmas or even moms still doing this. You Sunday's best. Like mm. that comes from a place of like you don't want to be dirty because you're going to get in trouble. Like you got you got to get it together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, don't be the. Don't be the the black sheep or the one that is standing out from the crowd. Out. Yeah, absolutely. It just, I mean, it's proof that supremacy ideology mm. was more than just everyday life. It transcended right. our professions as mm-hmm. well. It it blocked a lineage of a cultural mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. that that means this group of people here in America lost touch with another part of culture. Right, right. Yeah. And then, you know, black midwives who who are preserving what, 
that comes down the line. Um, you know, the pre- preservation of certain traditions and mm-hmm. rituals mm-hmm. and practices. And we, you know, we we learn from each other. Like, you know, there's some midwives who practice like herbalism. And so that's the one I'm going to talk to about certain things for, you know, different conditions. Um, we're trying to hold on to what little legacy, but it 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 is something that's still present. It's not you know, completely obliterated. Right. They want to make that clear too. Well, I kind of want to come to the present. We've Mm -hmm. had a lot of conversations. um, And I think a lot of what you have done in terms of, you know, the Vagina Chronicles and Mm -hmm. your activist work within your field Mm -hmm. came from you feeling like there was erasure Mm -hmm. of our history. Yeah. Yeah. What are some resources people could use to kind of understand more of the history? Oh, I'm always a firm believer of books, but I know that like not everybody loves a book. (laughs) So we want to go back to these really critical books that kind of set set the tone for what's happened in our reproductive history as Mm -hmm. Americans. Mm -hmm. So medical apartheid, <laughs> medical bondage, killing the black body. Mm. These are some of the the books that lay out what's happened historically in our nation. I mean, speaking to or listening to black midwives tell their stories, especially our elders, you know, mm-hmm. we're in a time where like, I think within the black midwifery community, we really try to lift up who who has left mm-hmm. um, out of the out of the elders because there is so much wisdom, there is so much history, there are so many stories mm-hmm. that like they kind of reel into like don't do this because I did it already, you know. <laughs> you you don't have to learn twice for all of us, right? right. So sitting down and listen to you know, a black midwife. Also, we there's a lot of documentaries and things out there and I won't single any out, but it's important to like tap into the stories. Be careful what you're listening to because, you know, not all of it gives you the whole context, but there are some really good documentaries out there about black midwifery. It kind of feels like we're an anomaly, um, but we are here, yeah. you know, we are here. You did. I don't think you did. Okay. And I will link. I will link the mm-hmm. resources that you did mention in the show notes as well. Also, if you want to take a deep dive into like what I'm talking about, the historical context specific to midwifery, delivered by midwives, is another fascinating midwifery book, and it kind of like details what happened. Also, I'll say this too: when we have the Shepherd Townsend Act um, come up. What we see is a division in midwifery because those who could who could do what was asked of them, sanitize and present yourself this way and clean your garments and do this and don't use a tie to clamp off an umbilical cord. Use a clamp. These plastic plant clamps mm-hmm. are coming out. Those who could do did and those who could not do did not. And we see the separation between certified nurse midwife mm. and certified professional midwife, okay. which still has its bearings today. There's okay. still tension. And, you know, I, I talk with like some really good midwife friends and I understand why why there's a back and forth, right? Yeah. Intermixed with white and black midwifery, like, because that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But, I, you know, talking to one of my close black midwife friends, it's like, I know... 
in a CPM, I can find value and resource and information that I didn't get in my certified nurse midwifery training because they're not teaching us to be holistic. Okay. A lot of them are teaching us to be hospital midwives. Got you. Right. And that's a broad sense. I'm sure there is a program out there that is teaching some kind of holistic (laughs) service. Okay. Um, But in the CPM world, they get immersed in that kind of information for the most part. However, they may not have as much exposure to like some of the modern technologies that we do use. Yes, they do use ultrasound, et cetera, et cetera. They can do those things, but um, it's a different type of training. It really Mm, is for, for the same good. But my thing is like, I, I don't want to fight with a CPM about anything about the same work that we're doing. Like, but this is the divide that America historically has placed. Like if we're talking about quilting the fabric of a nation, bias is what is sewing, sewing everything together. Okay. Right. Like that is, that's really, that's American history. Bias is like the 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 thread mm-hmm. that keeps our nation going mm-hmm. and then it splits and divides us and so um even the organizations that are our governing board you know we see what we call american college of nurse midwives come out of you know this development of nurse midwifery mm-hmm. very white centric and um to be quite frank was racist they didn't allow black midwives to to come into their um, organization. So you see a lot of division in midwifery and it still happens today. Not going to lie. We're not perfect. Please don't think that just because like we have all this midwifery and birth and all these things online. It's great. But like there's still tension behind the scenes as with any profession, you know? So, yeah. That's funny because I'm thinking like if, if you look at healthcare across the board, I don't think there is a profession within it that doesn't have that division or mm-hmm. trend towards what would be called holistic versus all science based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're fighting each other consistently. And if it, and like you said, if if ego was taken out of it, and we were able to see the benefits of both, how mm-hmm. how much more helpful could we be to people as a system right. if right. we considered? the wholeness of it and where mm-hmm. all of our professions, the derivative of all of them, mm-hmm. you know? The, yep. Yep. There's this term called medwives, M-E-D, mm-hmm. wives. And quite frankly, I kind of find it offensive. I understand the premises, but it's honestly kind of like a, an attack at, uh, at some of the certified nurse midwives and also some of the CPMs. Cause they tend to, they may some, mm-hmm. there's some who may lean heavier on, on intervention or, or, medicalization like sometimes it does feel like a target like just because you know we have this background and knowledge and then also how we use it how some people use it you Mm -hmm. know like they're more medicalized Mm -hmm. than holistic and to me it's like again that coming together of the holistic side and lineage and heritage and a little bit of modern medicine. I'm not saying for anyone to take over, but to let that kind of mingle together yeah. so that so that we can get like good outcomes. Like that's possible. Yeah. But like when you stay attacking me or we stay attacking each other, yeah. we lose sight of the main goal, which is midwifery. Like care for the people and like just stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. <laughs> right? Care for the people. This the the both and mentality versus the either or. Yeah. And I'm sure in some cases of healthcare, yes, there is a need for you got to do this or you got to do that. Mm-hmm. But 
in in many of them we could we could all coexist we really could yeah. so my my next question mm-hmm. because i do feel like there are more like i said midwifery cultural practices in terms of reproductive health that are coming back onto the scene mm-hmm. and doula being one of them so if i had to you know knowing the difference between midwife doula and ob Mm-hmm. What would the roles be if all three were present for mm. someone's birthing process? Yeah, yeah. And that it's a possibility, like, that's something that can happen. I think you asked earlier, too, like, if I found out I was pregnant or, you know, when it was starting that journey, do I ask for a midwife? And so, some places you have to search it out for yourself, if mm-hmm. you will. But um, it would it would be nice to get to a place where, you know, the sense of teamwork that they talk about is truthfully teamwork mm-hmm. and, and also taking consideration of, of folks and their their strengths uh, at what they do. You know, doulas, they're not going to provide medical care, but sometimes their assessment is what tells me I need to get my butt into a house or the hospital mm. because this person is about to have their baby or something's right. going on like their assessment you know so like realizing that each each profession has its strength right each profession also has its weakness but it has its strength and looking at that value mm-hmm. um to see how we can make the experience better for the person i think in medicine we have lost sight of a uh, long time ago lost sight of the individual right mm-hmm. you forget that that you're staring at a human and I know many of us have experienced that where you're just a number. You are coming in. They don't even care who you are, what your name is. They don't even look at the chart. They're just, they're just, you are just a number and you, they're just trying to get you in and out because they got to see the next person. But, you know, I, I think if we could destroy some of the foundation that is, uh, has existed in the medical industrial complex mm-hmm. and rebuild, that would look like really taking people off pedestals and putting them on the same line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then imagining them on the line, standing across from the person, the patient, the client, you know, like a, a team here for you. Like right. true, if I could visualize it, that's what I would see. Right. right. And also on the other side, would, as a patient, a client, a family member or a friend on that side too, because I feel like no one should go in the hospital alone. You mm-hmm. should always have someone with you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, midwives care for lowest folks, and sometimes we'll again co-manage with a physician. Meaning, like I might see something that's concerning. Let's say, like gestational diabetes and pregnancy, or even like a high blood pressure. Doesn't mean you have to necessarily be completely turned over to a physician, mm-hmm. but we can, you know, get the physician involved because we're seeing something high risk maybe start to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, you know. Physicians who they do, they can and do care for low risk people, but like really their specialty is high risk conditions. And so it's important for us to remember that and see again the connection of of teams, like Mm -hmm. how we can work together. And doulas are really great support people. Again, like I said, they can, they can shed light on something that we haven't seen. You know, I've seen some really amazing doulas help people through this birth and postpartum process. Yeah. Um, and and doula, you know, as it is, is is someone to walk alongside a person, and and they can do this in pregnancy and birth. They can do this in death. There mm-hmm. are sex doulas. Like there's so many different types of doulas. Like mm. we coach each other. We 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 walk alongside each other in many facets right. of life. Right. So thank you. For so that. yeah. So this <laughs> week is 
Black Maternal Health Week. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And I I have two questions that my first one is, where do we see those disparities in Black maternal health? What do they look like? And Mm. what are some of the biases that some healthcare providers may hold that lend to some of these disparities. Go you don't have to list time. them all, but if you can yeah. just give me, you know, the, 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 the all-stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's top five. Um, so what we're seeing in the black community in America is, um, and I feel like I'm a broken record, but I guess we have to keep saying it because people either don't believe or don't know. Black people are three to four times more likely to die from childbirth, either in the immediate childbirth time or immediate or extended postpartum period time than white counterparts. Um, And depending on what state you go to, sometimes that doubles or triples or even more than that. In New York for a long time, it was 12 times. Um, Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I think about talking with you about social determinants of health. It doesn't matter your financial right. disposition. It doesn't matter your education level, where you live, three to four times, three to four more times, period. Like that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is um, disgraceful. Right. Um, for an industrialized nation. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about a place where we fall low on the list of maternal morta- mortality mm-hmm. and it's unnecessary. And what we're seeing again is this thread of bias that's keeping the medical system together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may, folks may have heard, like, when we talk to residents or medical students, they still believe that Black people don't feel pain. They -hmm. still believe that they are pain-seeking when they come in with legitimate concerns. Black women, Black people, Black birthers are still not being listened to when they go in, um, it's not it's not far fetched. Like we have folks within the last couple of months who have died because of this. You know, this is not something that's new. It's mm-hmm. something that continues on. Mm-hmm. So for many years it was like postpartum hemorrhage is a cause and preeclampsia is a cause. These are things that could contribute to someone's death, but the the bottom and the root of it all is racism. Mm. You don't want to listen to me because I'm black. Mm. You don't want to hear what I have to say because my skin color is darker than yours. Mm. And you have a preconceived notion in your mind about why I'm here. You know, I've read countless stories, people going into the ER, urgent care, labor and delivery, feeling pressure, bleeding, waiting for hours to be seen, being told to go home. And then they come back in and they're, you know, delivering preterm when, you know, we could have stopped this earlier. These are um, everyday stories that are happening. I live in a place that is very progressive. Had a conversation with a good nurse friend the other day. I was like, you know, they're kind of shocked still that these things are happening. I was like, we work in a place in, in the hospital where I work with, you know, that we, there are checks and balances. We're not perfect by any means. Okay. But like, there's a lot of checks and balances. And in California, we have initiatives called like California Medical Quality collaborative, something along those lines. You can Google it. But there are checks and balances to prevent a first-time C-section, right? So instead of, like, going to cut because I feel like it, have we met these parameters, you know? 
you know, especially if we're going to intervene, have we met these parameters to try to help? But in other places in the country, you see things like episiotomies being cut without patient consent, um, induction at 39 weeks just because I feel like it or I'm going on vacation. Mm. Again, this blatant not listening to Black people or individuals because... You know, I don't I don't like black people like and that's the reality. This is the reality of what's happening. So it's it's I remember the <laughs> there was a post that went viral probably mm-hmm. it was like a month or two ago mm-hmm. where there was a group of I can't remember if they were midwives or if they were nurses in mm-hmm. the reproductive health portion and they were. I mean, it was a text thread of Mm -hmm. what they believed about. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like the ics of nursing. It was, I think it was nursing. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's funny you said, you know, that you don't want to listen to me because I'm black. And when you say these things to a lay person on the street Mm -hmm. in a conversation, it sounds like you're sensationalizing it. But these were these posts that we Mm -hmm. were seeing were showing us. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is what is not being said in our faces. Right. But those beliefs Seriously. are being brought to the room. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was it was it was eye opening for me because I mean, mm-hmm. even though I talk about this stuff all the time, it was mm-hmm. it's crazy what you don't know about group chats and private conversations, but you know what right. you feel when you're in the room. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to that knowing your body. And needing providers who understand, I know my body better than you do. You mm-hmm. may know how to respond to what my body's telling me. Yeah. But at no point in any process, in any portion of healthcare, should a provider not want their patient connected to their body. It serves you as the mm-hmm. clinician. Mm-hmm. It serves you for me to know my body better because mm-hmm. I can articulate clearly mm-hmm. the things that I'm feeling. And then you can tell me, okay, so here's our options for that. Right. Right. So it, yeah. It, 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 even in just you saying the disparities and some of the biases, it lends to that, what you said earlier, is more mm-hmm. beneficial to have a team of people mm-hmm. in the room but, so yeah. all the brains can come together mm-hmm. for and this. Who, who believe in you too, right? Yeah. So, because that's a whole other, a whole other facet too. Honestly, all that's in between you and understanding how your nurse team or your medical team feels about you is just a doorway away. If you get quiet in the hospital room, and I'm saying this to the nurses who are listening, to the physicians, anybody who might be on the floor, those rooms, you you should know already, but I feel like they forget because like this is our home turf, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When, when you get quiet in a room, you hear everything that's happening at the nurse's station. Right. That's true. And a lot of it is cringeworthy. Yeah. The amount of times that, especially in 2020, that I was like, ooh, that don't even sound good. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. bad enough we had the thought, but you let it out your we mouth. We let it out. We let that thing mm-hmm. public. Yeah. And as much as you, you know, we talk about this ex- expertise of ourselves, so much of medicine is, yeah, you might be the expert, but I need to see and do. And, you know, what we do and practice is convenience for us, mm-hmm. even to the, to to how people birth, like in this lithotomy stirrup position, it gr- it grinds my gears because especially if somebody is unmedicated, don't have an epidural, or you know, even if they do, we can get them in some 
dare I say, unconventional positions, which mm-hmm. are actually the conventional positions of birth, the things that help us. I but love- we do this thing where we, we have people on this stirrup, which stems back to European descent, where a king wanted to be able to watch a baby being born. And now we're doing it for ease of medicine because when somebody yes this was birth is not a production so stop it first of all (sighs) it's not a production and and if you make it one sometimes the babies don't show up because they get shy well or or like a mom gets in there and the Mm, the birth gets in their head yeah like like these things there's a reckoning that happens in birth and you have to let that person process and historically mammals go into hiding when they have their babies we're mammals right um but all of that even down to like i said the positioning for birth that was that was for production that was so somebody could be nosy and see what was happening Mm. because they wanted to learn more and instead of taking their ass and put it in a corner Excuse my language. Sorry, mom. Um, Whatever the corner, you know, and observing from from far away, they had to be up close and personal and create something so that it's convenient for them, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the actual methodology and the physiological way that we birth babies. Mm -hmm. So here we are later. Doctors don't know how what to do when people get on all fours to have their baby. It's the same thing. It's just backwards. That's it. (laughs) the same thing it's just backwards just hand the baby over let her cross her leg over it's fine it's gonna be fine <sighs> anyways i do love those posts i do because i just i, re- I mean like i'm not in that realm mm-hmm. but it, it it is it's the thread that's been running through healthcare. there's mm-hmm. a lot of us have to come out of the system to educate the patient mm-hmm. so that they can traverse through the system in right. a better way. And yeah. that's what you all are doing with social media. I see you all championing, like, if you can't do it on your back, get in whatever position mm-hmm. you made yeah. that baby in. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. and and even just being able to know, like, I can do that. Like, I have the mm-hmm. right as a patient mm-hmm. to say, get me out off my back. Let it's me get your in body. It. That, but, but we, mm-hmm. it is a system and mm-hmm. every system trains. They train mm-hmm. cogs and wheels Abs- so that they absolutely. can do the service and they can mm-hmm. provide the money. It's a system. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. It's, mm-hmm. it's, so yeah. you are, it, as the patient, you don't feel like you have, you know, mm-hmm. the autonomy to say these things. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you all for, for how you have brought that to mainstream, that information to mainstream. And that leads to my last question. Mm-hmm. Which would be, what are some solutions we could, I mean, and we can say as clinicians, professionals, but also as just people in the community who care when it comes to the Black maternal health crisis? Yeah. I mean, as you're saying that, too, I think about like what we talked about earlier, which is how we gave up our, essentially our power. And it's like, take your power back. Because, Mm. you know, again, it is a practice of medicine. Right. It's, it's also the practice of midwifery, mm-hmm. meaning we don't have it perfected. We don't know every single thing. You, again, you know best about your body. And some people are learning and some people don't know. You know, v- the Vagina Chronicles started out of a place of like, I'm seeing people in the office who had a whole baby come out of their vagina and don't know where that that is. Like mm-hmm. where, where the baby literally came out of. Or mm-hmm. the fact that there are essentially three holes, mm-hmm. you know, below the belt. So taking back our power, please don't like just give up 
give up your power to somebody else, you know, especially if you don't trust them. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to take that back and to recognize, like, I know something's happening, something's wrong or, or, or not aligned with what I had been feeling before, mm-hmm. and then seeking help. And in doing so, also taking someone with you, which I mentioned before, um, not to always speak up for you. In some cases, sometimes that's necessary. Mm -hmm. But like when we're going through health challenges, like your mind is churning for the most part. And some people don't process very well. You know, I know people who will take notes and that's fine too. But like to have a second set of ears so that you can process with someone else later on, it's just so beneficial. And then on top of that, if there's mistreatment (laughs) or or, um, misinformation, you know, we can address that there. And it, it, you know, someone else is in a room to essentially witness that. So taking back our power um, for for providers, it, it is a matter of taking responsibility and recognizing where your bias lies. And then also taking a hard, hardcore look at your values, too, because sometimes some of the things that we practice are not things that people actually believe need to be done. Mm-hmm. Abortion is a really great example of that. I give an example of a couple that came to see me years ago and they felt shame for even asking the question because another midwife had seen them before and told them that they shouldn't consider abortion as an option we're talking about people who couldn't literally cannot afford to continue having a baby Mm. like this would put them way below the poverty line right and it's not my place to make that decision for you it is my place to understand my value system and perhaps say like let me refer you to somebody else because i know my own shields are up and I can't really help you. Like provide unbiased care. Right. But it's true. I mean it's it's your your value system is not governance for someone else. It's, it's just not. For you. Again, and I, I really do like to say it, we are guides and not gods. Like I do not dictate what is going to be happening to your body that is not my responsibility right. it really isn't i don't care what you were taught about the algorithm of how x y and z should go like at the end of the day you really need to consider who's in front of you what they're asking for cuz sometimes mm-hmm. people are not asking sometimes people are just asking me to be heard True. and that's it yeah and we do a very poor job at that I'm so listening. <laughs> like just listen like literally just listen like i've left i've left appointments where i'm like so what did they really want from me and i think the answer was literally just to listen to to them yeah and then i follow up in a couple months and they may still have whatever issues going on but they're fine because someone heard them out yeah you know i for a long time was like you know and this is a very privileged thing to say. Some of this kind of a lot of you know a lot of these conversations are privileged mm-hmm. because of social determinants of health. You know, I I historically have said if you don't have a trusted provider, find somebody. Mm. Sometimes that's really difficult. It is because of insurance, because of your location, because of your skin color. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's really difficult, and also. Just because you're seeing me as a black midwife doesn't mean that I'm going to offer you, you know, um, this is an example. I will offer you really great care, but (laughs) doesn't mean I'm offering you care at the level that you need it. In other words, all skin folk and kin folk, they're not all on your Your side. side. Mm -hmm. And that goes 
back to our historical roots. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then and also in medical training, like it's it's honestly like white knows best. That's it's really how, you know, a lot of this comes up or or medicine knows best. Medicine and, knows best. Yeah. But you know? on the context in the context of how our healthcare system was built, it was mm-hmm. that whiteness knows best. It's just yeah. kind of evolved in, yeah. in what it says. Yeah. And then also um, you're asking for tools for people to like actually survive in in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say this. It's beneficial, but also the reason why I hate to say it is because it, it almost like points a finger at patients mm-hmm. or clients or people seeking care is is to have a knowledge base of what's happening. Knowing what your body's going to go through during a pregnancy and labor and birth and not relying on someone to tell you exactly what that is. Yes, mm-hmm. again, we're here for your guidance and maybe to say, oh, hey, this is what it could be, a myriad mm-hmm. of things, et cetera. Great. But like in order to navigate the system, you have to have a little understanding of like the things to say. And even with some clients who are friends who have to go in, I have to tell them these are the key words you have to say to be seen and to be heard. To be heard, yeah. And then it's like their kid gets fast-tracked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm like, that's so unfortunate, but it's the truth. It's the, it's the truth. For providers out there, it is the unlearning of, of medicine. It's the unlearning of what they've taught you. And uh, again, understanding your own biases and your own values and, and systems. So hopefully that's enough for people to take away. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You all, your profession has shown up in such a dynamic way on mm-hmm. social media, providing so much help and information like that you're talking about, the, the what what you might need to know before you step foot into the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So I am so grateful that mm-hmm. you came on. Um, to talk about all of the all things midwifery and reproductive health, and yes, hey. she, she will be back, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but until that moment, Ayana, where can the people find you, and what Ooh. are you up to next? Yeah, yes. So people can find me at the Vagina Chronicles on Instagram. I'm not on there as often, but like I'm still putting things out, you know, because mm-hmm. people need to know. But re- one of the reasons why I'm not on there as often is because I've opened up my own home birth practice it's called the village house inc because it takes a village we not meant to do life alone whatever that looks like and so you can also find me at uh village house wellness on ig and my plans are to open up a birth center here locally and to be clear because i don't think i've ever said this on a oh podcast exclusive It's really not that big. So, like, someone had mentioned to me before, like, oh, and you can just, like, once you get this going, you could replicate it for different cities. And that's not my goal. My goal is to provide exceptional care where I'm at in this community for the people. And they know that their village is here. So yeah. everything is going to be one-stop shop. Like, this is here. You can get it here. If we can't find it for you here, we know exactly where to send you or who to call to come in to help you out. Like, because... That's what needs to happen. That's historically what had happened before. Like the village takes care of itself. So life, especially pregnancy, postpartum, not meant to be done alone. The village is here for you. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) I'm so excited for you. And I know that, man, I'm just excited to see what, what the future holds for you. Girl, me too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you all for listening. Make sure that you follow the podcast so you do not miss an episode. Share with someone. 
i.e. everyone who needs to hear this information. And please shoot me an email if you have a topic that you would like to hear about. Until then, Dr. J-Pop is out.